Welcome back to Off the Record, On the Rocks. Each episode, Michael Toner and Ankarina Lara discuss the nuances of all things crypto, from Bitcoin to Ethereum, altcoins to DeFi, and NFTs to the metaverse. Cutting through the noise and keeping it simple as we pour ourselves into the future. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Off the Record, On the Rocks with my good friend, Mr. Ankarina Lara. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Michael. It is August, the dead of summer, and I tell you what, all news is good good news when they let the whole tape roll. It's uh, first week in August. It's it's a weird middle of summer vibe. We are always trying to read the tea leaves, pay attention to what's happening in the news. Uh, we've got a couple of things to cover, but it's been a, a weird news week. We, we started last week talking about aliens uh, being talked about on Capitol Hill under uh, under oath, claiming that these things are real, just how strange that was. At the same time, the crypto legislation making its way through Capitol Hill, Fed now going live. The next thing I saw was, and we, we know we love uh, some good astrology, but let's not forget the August supermoons, multiple, coming in August. And the other thing breaking through for me uh, this week uh, just, I think, completely crazy, but the FTX crypto exchange to restart. So let's get your hot take on. We're in the dead of summer here. Strange news, but still some action happening uh, on Capitol Hill when it comes to crypto regulation. And two moons, two super moons in August? Well, it seems first, like a nice setup. The first super moon, Sturgeon moon, we just had, August 1st. Markets, I think, were a little sideways. I'm not sure I saw anything that was particularly interesting with any ups or downs that were significant, which, of course, I was upset about personally. I do love a swinging moon, especially when there's two. But maybe that was the dupe. That was the fake moon. That was the duck. And then at the end of August, we're going to see the real big moon, the big pump, before we come back formally uh, for, for Labor Day. But, you know, for me, what I think is just so hilarious is talk about the tea leaves and we talk about the news cycles. And when you consider that under oath, employees of our apparatus called the American government, who are paid by American tax dollars for their salaries and their time, were under oath talking about aliens last week, just within the last week talking about aliens. Now let's not forget HBO, TV shows like to pump ancient aliens, summer marathons and things like that. So it's a good narrative, right? UFOs are on the news, UFOs are on TV. If you're heading towards an election cycle and you'd like to get a good reason to beef up your military, well, I hate to say it, but it's a lot easier to describe why a military is needed to fight extraterrestrials than it is for, say, random places in the world that you've never visited. So you can see there's a narrative slowly building a drumbeat for, let's fund the military, let's fund the military. Why? Because look at all this alien technology we've been hiding from you. Don't you remember we told you that back in, the, in July? So all of that I thought would have continued, but then this week it was like quiet. And then guys like Forbes magazine decide that today would be a good day to drop an article about what actually happened last week when everyone was worried about aliens and the Gillibrand 2.0 fit bill and all the legislation that's coming in crypto that we covered last week, even under the smokescreen of the UFO that came to land and take everybody's attention. I so I do, tell you, we hit it. We hit it again. I, I do like to take credit. I, when we call it, we call it. And, and this one is really interesting. So this is hitting Forbes from Jason Brett, a former U.S. regulator at the FDIC. We haven't talked a lot about them. Hmm. Uh, and a blockchain and crypto policy expert. 
contributing to this Forbes article today, August 3rd. Um, and you're exactly right. I mean, it's literally this covering, this flurry of activity that took place in Congress last week, right when we were covering it at the end of July, in all of that smoke and mirrors under uh, aliens. I, I, I hate clap for the aliens. The aliens, they did it. Do we have an applause for the aliens? They, they did it. They successfully covered all that legislation up. So much so uh, Forbes had to remind you. Yes, and, and it goes through, you know, setting boundaries between the SEC and the CFTC, and it breaks down, you know, that the crypto spot markets has been a subject of debate for years, and, and it's all definitional, and we need clear guidance on when it's a security or a commodity, and it's just fascinating to me that Forbes, uh, you know, mainstream media, a week behind the ball here, but at the same time, the narrative shaping up. Uh, so we know that these bills are running through, uh, through the Congress, and at the same time, we're seeing, we talked about last week too, the BlackRock ETF. I saw some news this week around uh, uh, Ethereum ETF applications, and, and that's fascinating. Here comes Bitcoin, kind of the gold standard, if you will, in terms of crypto. You've got Ethereum, sometimes referred to as maybe the silver standard, the silver <laughs> back of the crypto market, coming out with spot ETFs. And the, the only thing I saw from the SEC this week was uh, more FUD, more FUD, more FUD. It's nothing but criminals and hucksters out there dealing in crypto with new enforcement action, shutting down a crypto mining farm for supposedly raising 50 million in fraudulently raising 50 million in cash, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Super interesting. And then also the SEC getting involved with Vince McMahon of, of WWE fame. Talk about the ultimate huckster. Uh, this seems like more FUD from Gary Gensler and team trying to make sure that they've still got some control over what happens with this regulation. I haven't heard what's happening with their, you know, are they going to fight back against that judge's ruling? Um, that's something we need to, to check out. But what's your well, take yeah. on everything so I, I just covered? Well, I mean, that's a lot of things. But, you know, to tell you what, the SEC, if, one, if the SEC is one thing, it's definitely a good self-promoter. These guys might be the quintessential marketers. No offense to you, of course, or anyone on this call. But these guys somehow seemingly are able to keep their acronym, their names, and honestly... Mr. Gensler's kind of ghoulish portraiture in the press every day. There's not a day that goes by the SEC isn't being mentioned. And what really struck me this time is, well, first, there, I'll go from your last point back. The ominous note from the uh, XRP Ripple ruling, the ominous note is that the latest thing, I believe it was a couple days ago, the SEC said something along the lines of, we are looking at an appeal to the judge's ruling. Because remember, that judge's ruling, just to recap for our audience, came out and it, it was a divided ruling. It said that Ripple as a company was something that is unique from XRP, the token, or the, AKA the cryptocurrency that the company Ripple offers. And the CEO, who doesn't ever change, which is Garlinghouse, is still the CEO. And then they nuanced it. We talked about splitting hairs probably two episodes ago. How is it that you acquired the XRP token? Did you acquire it from the company called Ripple that's run by the person named Garlinghouse? If yes, 
It's a security. <laughs> if you didn't get it from a guy named Garlinghouse or a company named Ripple, but some sort of anonymous and potentially illegal gray market exchange, well, then somehow it's not a security because it's sort of this pseudo legal gray market thing, right? That's sort of that's the way it's split out. So obviously, XRP, Ripple, Garlinghouse are going to come out screaming, "We won! We won!" even though it was a split decision, which means really that it gives, I believe, the SEC an opening to then a week or two later meet you at the press club, then to accidentally mention the CFTC as the head of the SEC, then have to double back Mr. Gensler and run through his entire resume to just kind of distract the fact that he even mentioned that, then to have two days go by from that and then on that Wednesday, have Bitcoin be designated as a commodity, or at least like their current leaning, the everything else as security, which would then imply that they would be able to double back around and knock on the door of Ripple XRP and say, actually, everything that is Ripple XRP is a security and we're going to need to appeal the ruling. So I feel like that's what's happening. They basically have another few weeks to enjoy themselves in the Bahamas, and they're going to get called, or wherever they're vacationing, and they're going to get called back. But the thing that got me, but I'll throw it back to you about the SEC, is when Vince McMahon, everyone's favorite kayfabe wrestling, <laughs> the, the guy who created, who literally took the reins and kind of the name of creating everything the WWF and the WWE was good for and The Rock and everybody else, and I don't even want to go through all how much I love wrestling, but the SEC just reminded us that even if you have nothing going on in cryptocurrency... Even if he probably, who knows if Vince McMahon ever even knows what a thumb drive is. But the SEC came knocking and said, wait a second, you're doing a major transaction of a publicly traded company to another publicly traded company? Well, that sounds like something the Securities and Exchange Commission should be interested in. And wait a second, how come there's so many millions of dollars missing off this balance sheet? Because <laughs> you paid people whose first names are the names of like kitchen instruments and like the weather? No, these are not, these are, are all of the people that you hang out with in witness protection? <laughs> and now we wanna know where's the 12 million bucks or however much it is. And because they're not gonna let that get away after the billion dollar transaction. So anyway, I just say, my God, talk about marketers. SEC stays relevant regardless of what's going on in the news. Here, cheers to them. Yeah, no, you're right, Gensler. There was some rumor going around on on X, the X platform, uh, formerly known as Twitter, uh, that the bald token, the dollar sign bald token, that had been uh, started by secretly started by Gary Gensler as a rug pull just to keep fueling the fud <laughs> around all of the fraudsters and hucksters. I got a big joke. It was hash or dollar sign bald was the token. Uh, if you haven't seen this, it's funny and not financial advice. Um, but yes, you're right. Gensler keeping himself in the news, keeping the SEC relevant. At the same time, this legislation moving through Capitol Hill. Uh, you know the signals from Garlinghouse from Brian Armstrong at Coinbase, so the private companies working with the brands, the signal from them over the last three weeks is that that judge's ruling did give them some optimism, did give them some clarity in their ability to operate uh, and, and you know how that's going to look with the CFTC and the SEC maybe needs to shake out, but at the end of the day, it seems like these businesses now have some comfort zone to move forward with whatever Web3, crypto, Bitcoin ETFs or Ethereum ETFs or whatever it may be. And then the other thing I saw uh, 
and I need to, to cooperate a bit more here, but um, that sounds like a lot of U.S. companies that had halted talks with Ripple and XRP are now re-engaging in those talks. So yeah. again, not financial advice, but and I want to do some cooperating on my side to make sure the, the truth of the matter, but that would seem logical to me. If I was a brand and I was exploring you know, using XRP for some sort of clearinghouse of transactions, if I'm a big institutional bank, if I'm looking at FedNow and I'm somehow testing this XRP blockchain technology, but then I needed to stop and buy myself a couple weeks or maybe the SEC inserted themselves and steamrolled everybody into those extra weeks. Well, now that we've got a little bit of clarity, yeah, I probably would re-pick up uh, those conversations with Ripple. And it sounds like globally that's happening. Uh, the only other thing from a global perspective, it's a, a, a little bit off the uh, – uh, the topic, but the uh, Hong Kong licenses being issued. Mm -hmm. So, you know, think about it from a global perspective. We've watched what's been happening in Hong Kong and, and, and getting clarity and issuing of those licenses is going to force the global markets to, I think, to pay attention uh, to well, what's and, happening. And then, and then maybe by the, by just sort of a forcing function that, I mean, look, if I'm Brad Garlinghouse and I'm the Ripple team, and I get that little narrow crack in the doorway of light that says, okay, we have a way to stick a wedge in and just try to split this wood. Let's just do this right now. What would be the first thing I would do? I would actually want to go international because there's already been precedent where companies who are being pressed and pushed by the SEC and by other forces have that threat. I mean, even Brian Armstrong and Coinbase made the threat of like, well, maybe we should just go offshore. Maybe we, right. Coinbase, should just leave the U.S. Like that's kind of the big, you know, the big, big threat. But the the truth of it is, is yeah, you're going to diversify, right? You're going to bring your stuff overseas. Like if you're Ripple and you've been just mired for pro what's probably been four or five years, almost frozen in your tracks, trying to develop what you had said originally was thing, a thing called XRP, which is supposed to be the replacement for SWIFT. The way they market it is it's a bank to bank type of a value settlement type of layer. And then the government and old Jesse Chang at FedNow gets wind of that and says, well, wait a second, we're working, we, the federal government's working on something that's going to replace ACH and SWIFT. It's going to be instant payment resolution. And it's called FedNow. And we're poaching people while you're in this court case. And oh, by the way, we're going to go to MasterCard and we're going to tap AJ Banga, who's the CEO of MasterCard, up until 2021 and say, AJ, you need to get out of MasterCard because we're going to launch FedNow payment systems that's going to make MasterPass and a whole bunch of your MasterCard services irrelevant. And guess what AJ Banga did? He quits and he becomes the head of the World Bank. And then some schmuck named Mybox shows up, another bald guy, just another <laughs> bald, hashtag bald or dollar sign bald coin. Maybe it's for this guy. Um, he comes in and he's like, whoa! FedNow, what are you talking about? When did that launch? And they show the webpage. Launch on July 20th, it's right here. Oh my God. And he's up there screaming and yelling, this is anti-competitive, this is blah, 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 blah. But it's not. The United States government allowed MasterCard to create a dollar competitor back in the day. As soon as an early 70s started and Visa and MasterCard came to be, Everyone thought in the government, oh, wow, we're going to give more buying power to Americans and then we'll let them not worry about it until next month. That sounds like a good idea for our economy. But the trick that MasterCard and Visa played was they created an, a fake dollar, a competitive dollar. It's a future dollar. It lives 30 days in the future. 
So now my MasterCard dollar and Visa dollar and your American dollar are fighting. And the American government realized they've allowed these credit card companies to de-dollarize the original de-dollarization. So now when they come back around, they say, hey guys, remember when we let you somehow take like four and a half, maybe 5%, I don't know, maybe six and a half percent if you're in Vegas off of transactions and you just took that out of this virtual 30 day in the future dollar and we, the government with the today dollar, don't get any of that credit back. We're not getting paid taxes on that, but you are? Well, I'm sorry. Here's Step Jesse side. Chang, and here's the Fed now, and MasterCard Business Services is doomed, and Ripple XRP doomed, and it's just a slow drumbeat. I just imagine the Fed like pounding that stick like the orcs standing in front of Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings, and they're about to have put Gary Gensler in an orc costume and give him a giant silver bomb and have him just run it into the sewers. That's what I imagine is about to happen. <laughs> I, I'm going to go back to and, and try to find the, the through line through this. But the, uh, the Hong Kong – oh, I just lost my, my, my tab here. Uh, the Hong Kong license going live. So uh, the first you know, crypto trading license in Hong Kong. Um, that's interesting. You, as you just described, that's what these brands – that's what Ripple, that's what Coinbase, these guys have been threatening – to leave the U.S. Okay, so now that forces a hand. The federal government, the Congress needs to get something in place because we know we're trying to compete with China on all these different fronts. So we know that Hong Kong is being at least sanctioned to do this uh, by China, right? These, these licenses aren't being approved and handed out without Xi Jinping, you know, or, or the, the, the team, the cronies over there yeah. uh, overseeing this. That's fascinating. Um, and... Uh, I was looking at this XRP ruling. This is two, well, two things. Go back to the SEC for a second. So they're trying to slow that down, but yet the global markets are forcing the Congress to try to find some regulation. You've got the private institutions lobbying. We know Coinbase has still been running their, uh, four, what is it, 435 program within each of the congressional mm -hmm. districts in the United States. And then what do I see today? I just sent you this one. I think is really fascinating because you just described mm -hmm. all these really smart people. And when you were describing that and, and like this need to buy time and, and the fact that this legislation did get done in, that, in sort of version 2.0, I, I saw this the other day and I didn't connect any dots. But it's that there's a concern from the uh, Committee on Oversight and Accountability. So this is a House committee that is now probing the SEC for skirting federal hiring practices in the process of retaining skilled, highly skilled individuals temporarily. Now that's fascinating. So the SEC is avoiding the standard practice to avoid hiring normal, like the normal federal hiring practice because they need, quote, highly skilled individuals temporarily. Like, Let's pull this apart a little bit, but Gensler was in over his head, didn't have the data forensics and the blockchain know-how and the legislation and rule writing know-how to really set guidelines. Therefore, he needed all the smartest people from wherever in the federal government, CIA, FBI, maybe World Bank, IMF gets pulled in there somehow, even though they're not considered government agencies but he is now being probed by the Senate Oversight Committee for skirting federal hiring practices. That's interesting to me. Uh, 
I'd they like needed to the know, skills. I'd like to know who's responsible for watching the Federal Oversight Committee. <laughs> is there, is there a, a division who watches them? No. But I was going to say is, I think that you just pulled it together for me. Like, I mean, look, I've run a, we've run businesses before. And if you're in the practice of getting around whatever the hiring rules are because there's an immediate need, you find a loophole. And it's usually things like the highly skilled, um, there's always ways to kind of put into the job requisition that there's something unusual about this and there's an urgency and therefore you're not going to slate the normal five candidates and you're going to look the other way when you pick your brother or your sister to be one of the candidates or whatever, right? But I think that what the SEC has been doing is every time they've been serving a company or a person with either a fine, a cease and desist or whatever it is that they keep telling, they, they keep suing Armstrong, I don't even know what that means. But I feel like whenever they're doing that, all they're doing is telling everybody on that team, hey, we're hiring, we're <laughs> hiring. By the way, your boss owes us $1.5 million, but the good news is we're hiring at the SEC. And then you know that's how Jesse Chang, they already in that article about FedNow, it talks about the people that she pulled from all the different projects that she was on before. And of course yeah. you know, and she started at things like the World Bank and International Monetary Fund. When you need people who not only know tech, and again, blockchain experts, even to the top of the show, that Forbes article was written by someone who had two first names, Jason Brett, who might also be in witness protection, and then quote a blockchain expert. I can almost guarantee that's like just some person who came in and was like, hey man, you just check my vocab on this article, is this all correct? Because what does that even mean if this industry has only existed for less than a decade? So now, yeah, I think the SEC, the same way that the FBI and the CIA turned you know, black hat hackers into white hat hackers over a period of many years, and you hear these great stories about the informants who took down Silk Road and the informants who blah, blah, blah. Well, now they're just going out and saying, hey, we're doing, we, the American government, is doing something as cool as everybody else. Look, we're we a tech company too. We have something <laughs> just like Ripple. The Fed government, is, like Fed now is our startup arm. Don't you want to be a part of the good guys? And yeah. When they paint the good guys and the bad guys, I mean, look, everyone loves a good, good guy, bad guy story. And right now, I mean, are we getting tired? Are we tired of the bad guys that are in the news? Do we need new bad guys? I don't know. This might be that moment where the year turns from summer to fall and somehow the SEC doesn't seem as evil anymore because they're legislating and not fining. I don't know, but this might be that rebirth of the SEC as a viable tech company, literally, like you just said. I think, uh, you know, we're in the middle of summer. It's this weird uh, balance of folks trying to steal the narrative, folks trying to drive their portion of the narrative forward, uh, trying to get their story kind of to into the social contract. I heard that uh, from uh, one of the European prime ministers. I forget where she was from, but I heard her talking about, like, in order to have AI regulation, we need to have a social contract. And I was really thinking about the sort of social norms around um, even Web 2.0. Like, you know, we know that Facebook was using our data and selling it to advertisers. And there was sort of a, a social contract where everybody understood this level of privacy that they were giving up, even if it not at first. And I'm sure right at first, people were shouting from the rooftops of, oh, this is dangerous, you know, giving your, your data to private companies. People still talk about it. And, and here, though, we are into this age of AI, and we're talking about blockchain for banking, and I do think we're about to establish some kind of new 
social construct, some sort of new social contract with our government. And, and I'm tying a couple things together, too, because I, I saw some Twitter comments. I don't know if it was from a listener, somebody talking about um, there's a there's a lot of retail investors, maybe folks like you and I, who are also running businesses who are kind of walking this thin line. And, and I had folks ask me kind of where I land from a crypto regulation perspective. I, Toner, I thought you were, you know, all about decentralization and all about Web3 and, you know, how can you be going and shaking hands with Gary Gensler um, <laughs> at the press club and, and, and advocating for the SEC? And I don't think I'm advocating one way or the other. I think what we are trying to do and what I've been trying to do is to understand what decisions are going to get made? What is the new norm social contract going to be? Is my, you know, my, my, my mother, my grandmother, are they going to understand that Starbucks rewards program? Are they going to understand FedNow? Are they going to understand the Fediverse from Threads? Are they going to understand X rewarding content creators with micropayments? All of that that I just described runs on blockchain and needs regulation in order for it to work within the United States. And I think the moment more and more people understand that, then you get that breakout point where XRP, Bitcoin, Ethereum are kind of hovering right now. Mm. Uh, and I think that that education is happening, even if Forbes is three days late on it, that education to the mainstream is happening right now. BlackRock is helping, Forbes is helping, uh, Amazon dropping their latest NFT project on Polygon is helping. So it's a lot of education, but I think that new social contract, that new social norm is being formed right now. Yeah, and building from that, I mean, I think what's, what we're seeing in real time, which is what's got me so excited at all times, is that everyone is interested in educating. Everyone we just described in all the industries and businesses needs to come up with not just the social contract, but also like what is the, the language? What's the language of technology? What's the language of AI? the yeah. vernacular that we move in for real into this decade. Like we were supposed to start the 20s, you know, with this bang, but we started it with pandemic. So we're sort of now doing a soft restart of the real decade, right? We'll hopefully remember at the end of 2029, the 20s for something that wasn't just pandemic, right? And so we're all trying to find that new, those new words to get our legs underneath. And, you know, in two, three years from now, it probably won't be things like Ethereum or SEC or even FedNow. It'll be other words. So I'm really looking to these industries where more of our cultural, maybe language and sort of cultural Americanisms come from, which is the music industry, the entertainment industry, uh, and honestly, some of our <laughs> gaming and like some of the traditional tech industries like hardware. So I go back to things like the conversations that you know, why is it that Microsoft is so interested in Sam Altman's company, OpenAI? Why, why did they put so many millions and billions of dollars to control the roadmap? Why does Apple say, well, I don't want to use that uh, version of AI. I need my Apple AI. Why does Google have its own AI? Why does Facebook and Siri and Meta have its own AI? I mean, we're just the same collection of companies trying to push new language and new words to see what do the American people accept as part of their social contract? But there is that pressure. I definitely feel this pressure because, because the American political cycle is just going to start at the end of this year, regardless of whether or not anyone's ready. And every candidate is going to be asked questions about this very thing. Will the writer's strike and the uh, actor's strike in Hollywood resolve before the fall? 
will AI have boundaries and regulations as it pertains to how do you pay creators? Because once we know how we're supposed to divine the origin of a piece of content and to know what the human originator is and whether at some point in the future it was modified and therefore, quote, made synthetic, which is a word that I've heard used a lot, that I can then track the synthetic remix of that content the same way I can track a remix of a song and attribute value to the original creator the way the music industry in a way has kind of already laid the groundwork for which is odd, is an odd that you don't really hear the music industry talked about much in the AI conversations only entertainment so as soon as that gets finished well then maybe X can for real start paying creators because they'll know who the human was behind the synthetic output or whatever so there's like these major dominoes for me they're gonna have to fall as the summer kind of winds down as we head towards fall because my god Hollywood can't be on strike forever Putin is not gonna stay at war forever Biden administration will be distracted for a full year with new candidates all trying to run against him from his party and the GOP they all want to take donations and all kinds of things including Ethereum futures, and they're going to need regulation on that. And to bring it back around to the point that some of your friends said, it's like, I don't think you or I are in support of, of any government agency per se, but what we're saying is this all is just talk until the United States government defines for our citizens how we can interact with it. And I would just hope that they come to a resolution that is, I mean, to say fair and balanced is a joke, but to find it in some way that we can all use it without an onerous amount of oversight and tax would be nice to then let all of us breathe a sigh of relief, move forward as an industry into the decade like we were supposed to, and do some cool stuff with technology. Well, and in just in time, FTX filing articles to reorganize. So we will be able to do all of those things you dreamed of as soon as FTX gets back in order. I mean, that's another one that broke, broke through for me. But in spite of all of this and everything you just described and the federal government and getting up to speed, the legislators getting the legislation ready, the SEC illegally hiring the smartest people they can find to answer these questions, all of a sudden FTX plans to restart the platform for international customers with a new proposed reorganization plan that provides a pathway for a specific class of debtors to pool assets and create a new offshore exchange. So the FTX reboot coming, um, you know, that to me, again, it just how quickly we can forget the past and all those hucksters and maybe SBF will be the new CEO? Well, do you think well, he'll still well, run this well, thing? Let me ask you this, because I don't quite understand this. So when, when was it that FTX fabulous, fabulously imploded that was was that march or april of this year uh yes it was earlier this year so i mean it's only the beginning of the eighth month so what we're saying is it's been like one full quarter like 12 <laughs> full weeks of work because the guy the, the interim ceo he didn't really take the reins until not i mean it, it collapsed and then he came in some number of days later so it was november 17th 2022 so it was we're coming up on what will be but a full a year? Half of a year, or yeah, August, on? September, October, November. So we're, okay. we're three months so, short of a full year. So, but the creditors, as I understand it, when they're going to relaunch this thing, it sounds more like somebody found a kind of sort of working automobile in someone's garage, 
And then someone spent the summer with their grandpa kind of like tinkering with it and realizing, hey, this this machine's going to run. Let's put some gas in the tank and get these sparks flying. Boom, boom. Hey, we're going down and get some milk. Mom, what else do you need from the market? And so they just realized, oh, dude, we have a full functioning, albeit banged up jalopy. We can just fire it up and then go take joy rides with people in foreign countries and maybe get some of their money to offset the creditors because i read specifically that the original f like the f that the token holders the the cryptocurrency of ftx it's called uh, ftt i heard that no retail investor gets anything they like it's basically just hey we're just going to flush the system of all of your old nonsense and then we're just going to restart it and take more money in but not one retail investor will ever get any of money the on the plan interesting so it's like, is that even a new, it's, I guess if you're going to put a paint job on that jalopy and bring it, I mean, anyone will drive a convertible Cadillac through Amsterdam, even <laughs> if it is just, if it only will go a couple miles an hour, because it's cool. Like, is that, gonna, is that how they're going to position this? Like, getting on some American crypto, like, while you can, Europe, it'll Asia. Be, <laughs> it'll be fascinating to see the FTX reboot uh, in all of its glory. Um, I think as we, you know, first week in August here, August notoriously slow month. Uh, a lot of European folks take take a couple of weeks. Uh, in the U.S., it's you know, uh, at least the first couple of weeks big for vacations, final trips for for parents and families, and then we will get back to school as we head into the last few months of August. So we'll keep it here. Any final thoughts as we? Uh, as we complete the first full week in August here, anything to expect in what otherwise should be a quiet August? Uh, well, maybe watch well, that. Well, I'm going to be looking for number one. We got to see our second full moon in August. It's also going to be what's called a blue moon, besides being a super full moon. So that just seems like layer colors on adjectives on nomenclature. I mean, that seems like it's lucky. I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. But second thing is, I'm wondering underneath all of this. What is the human Gary Gensler's end game? Is he trying to be the next Jerome Powell? Is he trying to be the next Secretary of the Interior? Is he like, what? He's not the SEC head forever, so where is he next? I'm trying to figure out if I can, if we can plot that trajectory, then maybe we can really see what's underlying all his little slips and flubs and little moves. Because there's something at work here that I feel like we're not appreciating. And that's uh, what's going to be next for the SEC. I like it. We'll do it again next week. Uh, you have a good rest of your, your week, sir. We'll talk again. Enjoy the R&R. That's all the time we have for Off the Record, On the Rocks. Join us next week for news and all things crypto. Bring up the house lights. It's last call. 